the city. It's this sprawling, massive place, miles and miles across. Been here as long as anyone can remember. Nobles play their power games. Guilds maneuver for money and influence. Dark things emerge from the shadows to hunt. And the lamplighters take everything in while keeping the darkness at bay. The thing I always wonder is why. Why do those lamplighters keep the darkness back? What investment do they have in Avalon? Why do they keep involving common folks in the games of the houses and guilds? I think they're the true power in Avalon, but I'm only one person. Then again, I've spoken with a blasted lamplighter. Have you? The streets of Avalon. This Fawford and the Grey Mauser-inspired urban swords and sorcery city of epic proportions holds adventure, intrigue, and a darkness that comes from its denizens both above and below. It's written for the world's most popular role-playing game by Brett Blazinski. Head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash streets to grab a copy. Gaming NBS, episode 357, being recorded Monday, August 30th, 2021. Welcome to Gaming NBS, the tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. Then I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back to everybody who's been here before. Sean, how the hell are you, brother? I'm doing, doing all right. Brett, how are you? Not bad. I had a great three days uh, back-to-back-to-back gaming. What? Three days? That's crazy. Three days. It was nice. So, Friday, um, Mr. Craig Shipman and the crew over at Third Floor Wars and Sean as a special guest star. He's my ace in the hole. In case the whole thing went to hell, I knew Sean, I knew Sean could help bail me out. But um, we play, I ran Streets of Avalon. It's the first time uh, Craig's ever played 5e, and right. Sean, ha- Sean hates the game worse than... No, I'm kidding. Uh, Everybody's <laughs> nailed me down as the 5e the guy. Leader. Yeah. yeah, I know, which is hilarious as hell. Um, we all had a really, really good time. I, um, Unless everybody lied to my face, they all said they had fun, so that was really nice. Um, Craig Third Floor Wars has it posted up on YouTube if you're interested. Could put um, if you haven't found a link, we'll throw one out there for you. It was a shit ton of fun. It's um, it's me running, so there's some f bombs, um, some gross horry stuff, <coughs> um, children crying, stuff like that. No dead kids, just so people know, none, none of that. Um, but it was really cool. We had a lot of fun doing it. I have not run Streets of Avalon for strangers, right, uh, in quite some time. So it was a lot, a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. It's uh, just session one. We've got at least one more because uh, we haven't wrapped it up or even come close to any kind of an ending of sorts. So, And I believe we're already looking at the next one coming up here in September. Should be because September's tomorrow. <laughs> so this recording. So I think it's like the 13th or something. But anyway, as it gets closer, we'll get the real dates out there for everybody. Um, 16th? Or 15th, 15th, 14th, 14th, 14th. It's the 14th, isn't it? Could well be. It's I can't tell time or anything else. It's a Tuesday yes, that Sean is, is not playing cyberpunk. Correct. And then, and then after that, Saturday was my uh, Greyhawk game. The guys went into, uh, it was Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. So they not only advanced, oh, went into a dungeon, but they also fought and killed a blue dragon. 
That's so crazy. I covered all the big all the big stuff, Sean. And in this case, these lousy, quick-thinking bastards, I had them dead to rights in the desert. Um, they go into this ancient tower where this wizard was. They're trying to find a clue that they think that they need. Spoilers, they really don't need the clue. They just decided they needed it. It's kind of funny to me. So there's blue dragon. There's negative plane stuff going on as well. And they see signs of the blue dragon having ambushed this other group of folks and destroyed them. So then they see it in the distance. Like, okay, here's what we got to do. We're going to lure the dragon out. We're going to try to ambush it. So on. It doesn't go very well. The dragon flips the script, ambushes them, lightning bolt blast, laying waste to people, the whole bit. And uh, the thief, Zave's gnome, is it's like, he's like, I can't fucking do anything. The damn thing won't land. The paladin slash cavalier is like, God damn, I just want a broadside of my lance. And I'm like, yeah, racial memory. If nothing else, this dragon's like, I am not landing anywhere near the guy with the big horse and the armor and a, and a stick. I'm not going anywhere near that guy. So he's fucking up next character and blasting everybody else. And Zave goes, wait a minute. I have this route of paralyzation petrification thingy. Zap. It's well within range. What do you have to roll to save against that? I said, look at the chart. I'm like, I need to roll a nine or higher. I'm like, oh, Christ, he's going to do it seven is what Brett rolls. So, wham, dragon falls out of the sky. And like a bunch of gleeful little high school kids, they're like, we kill it. We jump over the rocks. Oh, we smash its head. We cut it. We chop its head off five times. You know, they, went, they went ballistic happy. So they killed another dragon. Damn it. But it was a shit ton of fun. A lot, a lot of fun. And um, then Sunday, AJ ran his Midgard game, and Ilana and I, my youngest daughter, were playing our characters. And lo and behold, there was a black dragon in the swamp. We fought and killed the black dragon. It was smaller, Get but we out of town. Yes. So there was a dungeon and a dragon in that five E game. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. That's yeah. crazy. I'm just saying, I am uh, I am firing on all D and D cylinders right now. <laughs> yeah. Eating what? it up. That's now, that said, though, if you go back to Friday, I feel that the back-to-back dragons helped because there was no dungeon or a dragon in the Avalon game. There was the potential for a dungeon at the tail end, but no dragon. So, But anyway, even though I missed those two huge cues for Avalon, I think the rest of y'all still had fun. So, Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't want to – I could tell everybody what happened there, but what's the point? You can watch it or listen to it in the background. Um, and so on. It was great. I got to uh, showcase one of VC Young's maps. He's been making geomorphs for me. I've got a slew of them for Avalon, and he uh, does a really wonderful job, cartography-wise, kind of showing up, showing off how the neighborhoods are built, where they lean in on each other, the twisty windies, the whole bit. So I had a lot of fun with that. So that was thank you again, VC. That was awesome. And I do want to get um, VC stuff out into like a folio at some point. But um, I really wanted to start showcasing it in these live action plays as I was doing them. So we're having a lot of fun with it. It's a lot of really, really cool. And the players, man. Sean almost almost sat on the ship of the guns. But he toyed with me and then got back out into the action. So I was very grateful. I figure for that. it might be a boring two, three hours if I just sat in the tavern. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. It was nice of you. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. You could have you you could have uh doing to others but you chose not to you're a bigger hey. man that's that's good you know i do what i can so apart from suffering through my game what else did you do anything else since we talked last i had cyberpunk red on tuesday and it was it was fun um yeah nothing else 
Nope. Stream Saturday. Brett joined us on the stream Saturday morning for the first time ever. Yeah. Yeah, first time awake. Brett watched a video of ours, I think, on Twitch. Yes, actually, that's actually yeah. <laughs> somebody <laughs> gifted him, somebody gift him a subscribed the subscription. That was to us. funny. Uh, yeah, that was cute. Yeah. Now I got to be careful what I say on Saturday mornings. And Sean right. actually tried to so to in, in, increase my um, disparaging technology that I'm not into. Sean tried to Venmo me something, some cash today. I'm like, I, I don't have a Venmo account. He's like, what the fuck? I, I <laughs> I'm like, well, up. if you put it in PayPal, I can get it to my bank. He's like, what's a bank? I said, that's where my Susan B. Anthony and my $2 bills are. <laughs> God, <quite a> grandma. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, good Lord. I, I keep it's just, I haven't had a need for a Venmo account, so I just haven't done it, but I got to get one up. So I had, I had, I looked in there and I'm like, I'll just see if Brett's name comes up and like your email did it. So I said, huh, I, I don't remember. Maybe I did for some pint glasses. So then I did it. And then if you don't have an account, you can always retract it. So that's what I did. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, oh, it's well. all good. Then I PayPal them. That's the story. <laughs> that's the big story of the day. That's the episode. Oh, Brett's Br- Br- inability to <laughs> utilize proper Brett. technology. Jesus Christ. But it's um, what is it for, though? It's for... It is for the Delta Green experiment. That's right. So very good. Yeah, we've chosen Hourglass as our adventure. Um, we can put a link out there if you go through our affiliate link. You can get to Drive Through RPG. You can look up Hourglass. If you're not going to play it, um, so here's my thought: if you want to, and um, we post up. So actually, so let me do this first. Phase two, right? We picked the adventure. Actually, phase one, we chose the game. Phase two, we picked the adventure. Phase three, the next phase, we have to pick the dates and times. So Sean and I can say, hey, I'm going to play run here, here, and here, and here at these times. And Sean will say the same thing. And then it'll be conscripting Shanghai and gamers from the BS community to come hang out with us. My thought is if anybody is interested in kind of like, you know, following along at home with your own copy, I wouldn't. And if you have, if you think you want to play, my advice is don't buy it or read it until after you're in. Unless you're one of those people who doesn't care and you can suppress the surprise of, oh, yes, I opened the third drawer from the top on the left-hand side. No, no, I didn't read that adventure. Well, you don't pull that on us, you'll be fine. <laughs> but Sean had asked me, um, he said, Brett, do you think you can get it done You know, this calendar year? And I think October, November, I can knock this out. Because it's only it's a handful of sessions. I think if I get it scheduled up, bam, 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 I can run it through. So... We'll make it happen. So that's the plan. So I think I'm going to start putting stuff into motion so I can get it going. So I'll probably look at, I think I'm leaning towards Sundays, 9 to like noon central time, because I think I can squeeze it in that time with limited interruptions. Yeah, I was thinking Sunday as well, because Sunday tends to be kind of a slow pokey day around these parts. So it might be a good day. We'll find out. So we have a, a Discord channel set up for it that people have expressed interest in potentially playing. Mm-hmm. We'll see. So, um, so I and then I'm gonna write up, write up the little ad. Farty McButterpants, that guy, he posted in the forums what he had put out. I think for his Curse of Strahd game. Holy shit balls! Like so, he wrote. He's the one that wrote in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And said, hey, this is when I. Well, if I can't find my own game, I'll might as well run it and then put it out there. 
I think he, I, don't, I think it's from the original one where he recruited. That thing is no joke. Like, you know exactly the game you are well, we signing up, up we, for. We read it here. You know, we read that thing and where he talked oh, about, hey, look, this close. is what you got to. It was like I'm just saying, but he was, But he was very specific in like, look, this is what to expect. This is what we're doing. This is what I expect. Yeah. You can expect from me. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, it literally no joke. And I think damn near master class in how to say it all. <laughs> he did a really good job with it. That's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, so I'll do that so that everybody has an understanding of expectations. Cool. Yeah. And then oh, we'll, uh, get, then we'll get rolling. Oh, sorry. Yeah, then we'll make it happen. Uh, GameholeCon.com. GameholeCon is coming up. That is October, end of October 21st, if I'm remembering my date correctly. So at this point, we're still kind of watching all the stuff. Gamehole just put out their new little newsletter where they've got, hey, this is their COVID rules, this, 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 and this. Um, Dane County, where they are located, is currently under a mask-wearing mandate if you're inside. However, that mask mandate ends on September 16th, if I'm remembering the date correctly, but ends in September. So we shall see if that gets reinstated. If they say, hey, guess what? Things are still pretty messed up around these parts. Nope, sorry, kids. Still going to do it. Don't know. Right? And that's one of those things where... um, any <laughs> game doesn't have a choice. It's a county mandate. You could uh, break that rule and never be allowed in the county again, or be good kids and play by the rules. So we shall see what happens there. But Sean and I are watching that so we can figure out what the heck's going to go on. Because you never know. As crazy as this whole thing has been, you can have a funky ass spike and like, look, you can't have it. Sorry. <laughs> county could shut them down. The state could shut them down. I don't know. We'll see what happens. So. Keep your eyes on it, kids. We'll see what happens. Well, they're, Any other not? Oh, they're sorry, saying that you have to have proof of your vaccination. They were going to have an attestation, but they said that's no. You have to actually have proof that you've yep. been vaccinated. So somebody will forge it, and then somebody will tweet it. Like, hey, vaccinations are free. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> bizarre. Somebody actually, somebody actually paid some obscene amount of money, or any amount of money, quite frankly, is obscene. To get a fake vaccination card, I'm like, right. you paid money to you. You paid money, so you didn't have to get a free thing. Feels right. weird. And again, you know, people are people. Whatever right. your reasons are, your reasons. Keep All back. Sean and I know is we're yeah. watching the game old con system, so we can figure out what the rules are. Once we know what the rules are, we can figure out how does we play within those rules, right? This is uh, this is as they say, rules is written, not as um, not as the crew over there how you interpret them. This is more literal, so we're just making sure we understand it all, so we can make the decisions we want to make based on that. I'm going to put bets down on the person that travels the farthest and forgets their vaccination card, or <clears throat> travels the the farthest intentionally doesn't have, didn't get, and then pitches a holy fucking fit. Oh, well, that's possible, too, I guess. <clears throat> yep. I'm, I'm wondering if uh, we can get the GameWillCon crew to keep a tally of number of people that are like, you, you'll hear from my lawyer or some phraseology about that. Oh, this is, you'll, you know, you tick, tick, tick. Yeah. And what, I think it'd be interesting to see how many people lose their fucking minds because they don't understand the rules and the laws. But anyway, any other announcements, Ben? Uh, no, I don't think so. I'll tell you what. Let's random encounter up there. Random encounter. Cool. Keep cooking. Random Encounter, segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. First one is Chris Shorb. Leaves a voicemail on dedication versus serious. If it's Chris Shorb, it's got to be a voicemail. So, yeah, of course. Settle in, kids. Settle in. 
Hey, Brett and Sean, it is Chris Shord calling about the homework episode. And I just wanted to share a quick thing. You guys had said uh, something about, oh, when you're talking to your players and your players are like, I just don't have time. I don't have time. And you came to the conclusion, well, they don't have time because they don't really have, because uh, they really don't like to do it. And you know what? You've hit on a critical thing. Uh, someone else said to me one time, you know, everybody has the same amount of time. It's the how you prioritize the work you do, or in this case, they were talking talking about work, you prioritize the work that you do in that amount of time. And it's the same with our leisure activities. You know, we all have the same amount of time, including our work. We all have 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. It's how many, how are we going to prioritize what we do in that time? And so um, it sounds like your players in that case, when you give them certain types of homework, they're just not prioritizing that as high as other activities like sleeping or, I don't know what, watching anime. Who knows? Anyways, I thought I'd just share that little anecdote or uh, aphorism with you. Hope you're all doing well. Take care. Bye. So, you Sean, know, it turns out that has nothing to do with uh, dedication. It's, 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 it's not. You know, it, had you done your homework. Right. And used your time wisely and pre-screened, <laughs> you'd have known what the fuck that was about. Um, um, now, with Chris, I... Somehow, you know, hmm, I would agree in a single kind of one-dimensional planar thing. But if you're an individual that finds yourself time traveling or doing, you know, time, space, warpage, and black hole traversing. Well, if you're a lich and you have access to time stop, I mean, what, what's the what's the real problem here? Or... Or you're on a different planet sometimes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. not everybody does have 365 days in a year. And so many hours and minutes. And, and so many and hours and minutes per day. So, I mean, while Chris's intentions are, you know, with the priority thing, fairly accurate, I'm starting, you know, I'm kind of wondering about that whole time and thing. I see. Just saying. You're just, you're just looking for an out. <laughs> Sean's looking for an out because he's kind of in his own world. And in Sean's world, he has fewer hours than the rest of us do. <laughs> Actually, Chris, that was pretty nice. Thank you. I appreciate it. As always, that was really good. Sean, you can read uh, Mr. Rory's. Oh, I will. Rory. Where are you, Rory? Rory. Back is on picture this. Back when I was running a Tolis game, I downloaded a ton of images from the book as well as cherry-picking images that fit the campaign and put them all in one folder on my PC. Then set the images from that folder running on a loop on a monitor in the game room. Whenever someone glanced over, they had an image of the city or something that fit the tone of the setting. Worked well for me. I think the players, Rory. Yeah, Rory, that's a lot like what I was doing before I had monitor access when my little you know, kid science poster board, picture board type of thing. And I, I think there's something to be said for that. You know, when, when you read through a, a setting book, Streets of Avalon, we've got some nice black and white art in it and so on. The idea is to be evocative of the place. And, <clears throat> excuse me, adventure art tends to, in my opinion, often try to um, do two things when I see adventures art, like uh, Watsy stuff anyway. One of them is to be evocative of the location, the setting, and the other one is to show potential images of what could be occurring in a battle 
or uh, with a trap or a very specific type of encounter. I think um, I, I love that idea of just having images cycling through that are flavor. Because if anybody's wanders, right, the eyes wander off of you or they go to they see an image flash or there's a change of something, it's bringing them back to the setting, back to the table. And sometimes it's as easy as clothing, dress, modes of operation, and just how things generally look and feel. And I, again, huge call out to Simba Room, and I, I love the trade dress of that entire thing. It is wonderful, very evocative. And when you do that, you feel, I think, by doing a very similar thing, Rory, is how I'm thinking about running when I get Simba Room to my table with my home group. I'm going to do the same thing. It's going to be art just to make sure that people get it and that they don't feel that it's, quote, unquote, just D&D. I want them to feel like it's Simba Room and the art is so tight to it. So I would assume Tolis is much the same because of, I don't know enough about that city, but it's fucking massive. Just the book-wise, you could kill a man with that. I think I read a uh, tweet somewhere where someone actually dropped a Tolis book on their foot and they were afraid they'd broken their toes, which is absolutely legit. Totally legit. Yeah. Anyhow, that's a smart move, Roy. Thank you, sir. I like it. It's a damn fine idea. All right, where am I at here? Tom comments on picture this. Um, part of my game prep involves finding particular images, usually important NPCs, particular landscapes or architecture, creatures, etc. We're playing in Discord, so it's easy to share whatever maps or images I need as they come up. When we start meeting in person again, I have a large television on the wall that will take over image duties. That is, I like, Tom, when I when I see this, I love the fact that you're saying unusually, excuse me, usually important piece NPCs, particular landscapes or architecture, creatures, etc. You do not need art for all the goblins, maybe the goblin chieftain, maybe the goblin shaman, maybe the goblin witch, warlock, whatever. Um, the castle. Not every fucking hill bump or whatever is out there. You don't have everything you're describing. Theater of the mind doesn't have to be in piece of art. The important NPCs are fun to do because if nothing else, we flash that up there. When I was running my um, my last World of Darkness game with my guys, there was a guy Loden, and they met him and. They're talking to him, and Lenny looks at the at the picture on the screen and says, "Is that really what he looks like?" I said, "Yes." He goes, "So it's fucking Odin. You're you're just messing with. It. Look, it's Odin. He's missing an eye. There's a raven. Think, 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 think." I'm like, "It is perhaps." <laughs> like, God damn it. Okay, you know, it was it was, which is exactly what it was. But um, a very important NPC. They had a slew of NPCs, but that one I had a piece of uh, piece of kick ass art for. So I like that idea, Tom. That's that's my preference. What were you, sir? Uh, this one is from Mr. Tom Flanagan from Knights of the Night podcast. <clears throat> to settle in for this one. He told me he came in, he came in stronger. He uh, IM'd me. He said, well, I want to say this. And I said, you make Sean cry. He goes, all right, I'll, I'll back it down. I'll back it down. So let's see, let's see what happens here. Did he really? He didn't email no, you, yeah. did he? <laughs> hey, of course he did. <laughs> I, Tom and I, I am all the time. Um, and uh, he, did, he said, hey, I've got some feedback. Should I just send it to you? He said, yeah, just send it in. He goes, okay, cool. That's all there's to it. Keep going. Oh, I see. I see. He's making sure everything's on the up and up. Totally is. <sighs> on player homework, Tom writes, in listening to the episode on player homework, let me, let me rephrase this. Hold on a second. Let me, <clears throat> let me channel Tom's voice here for a second. In listening to the episode on player homework. Oh, that's mean. 
Hey, by the way, in case anybody didn't know, Tom is a fairly new grandfather. Is um, did the first grand, did the first grandchild not that long ago. I've seen pictures of the wonderful little boy, and he is, he's just bloody amazing, baby. He's just awesome. Looking. Anyway, carry on. <clears throat> I'm sorry, but I had to disagree with Sean. <laughs> Sean repeatedly suggested that Brett's comments and suggestions about the players creating story bits was Brett just making the players do the work. First of all, role playing is supposed <laughs> to be not sound like that. Not even close. I'm almost offended for Tom. <laughs> You're get your ass kicked by an old man. I've heard you. Tom on. Hey, nice look, tonight. I've he does heard, not sound like that. I've heard Tom. I've listened to this actual play podcast. I've mm-hmm. heard him on the Streets of Avalon podcast. I think I'm like right in there. Like I think this is the best impression I've ever done of anybody. Tom, I'll, next time I see Sean, I'll slap him for you. Keep going, Sean. Where where was I now? I don't know. Maybe I'll start. You know, Tom's going to be the inspiration for my next player character or NPC. (laughs) (laughs) Read on. Let me get back to that. But I had to disagree with Sean. (laughs) Don't do that. Anyway, you're at uh, first of all. All right. First of all, role playing is supposed to be cooperative storytelling. If the GM is the only person adding background, history, or NPCs in their relationship with players, then he should be writing a book and not creating an adventure. Hey, I agree with you, Tom. Uh, the whole th- the whole point of role playing is to have players invent and create characters, their history and their motives. If a GM allows them to do that and then weaves it into the plot they had designed, that's more work, not less. But it's also wonderful for most players in that it gives the player investment in the game. They are way more likely to be immersed in a story that not only works with their character, but affects their character and their character affects the setting. So sorry, Sean. Sorry, Sean. (laughs) <laughs> but I completely disagree with your take on what Brett was describing. Just assign me to Team Brett. Smiley emoji. <laughs> so, Tom, in, in Sean's defense, I think he was giggling because of the, <laughs> the, the fact, like, wait a minute, you gave all this homework to your players? What the hell do you do, Brett? I think that's what he was g- g- riding me a little bit there. But, um... Sean, I think at the heart of it, though, I don't think you disagree with what he's talking about. No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. Cool. I think it's interesting, though, uh, Tom, regardless of picking on Sean here, I like the way you're talking about that. Having, if I do, it it is work, right, for the the GM. You let the players do stuff. So I'll hearken to the Friday Streets of Avalon game. Made NPCs, gave them to the players. Sean, you and the guys came up with, you came up with a, little accent for max and this that and the other thing we had all this different stuff and people came up with backgrounds information things that was happening what they knew in the neighborhood who they knew how they were intertwined and it was wonderful because it was i think it's work on both sides i immediately appreciated the hard work the players were doing at the table to improv some stuff so that their characters would fit really well which is awesome and then the fun part for me is then that energy comes back like a la theater style, and then I feel empowered to improv off of their improv and then keep it rolling. 
right? Because I have an idea of what the story is, what's going down, and I can weave all these cool parts and pieces into what's happening because you guys were so invested in it that you were throwing more stuff at me that I could work with. I thought it was really good. So kind of hats off to you, Sean, and the rest of the, uh, again, back to Third Floor Wars crew for how, how that all played out. But I think that was a really good, very recent example of how that functions. So thank you, Tom, for writing in. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Yes. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> I'll still slap Sean for you. Uh, e. Armstrong comments on YouTube on dedicated versus serious. We had someone come in on YouTube and it wasn't some snarky asshole thing. I, I want to read this. Yeah. I think there's a level of respect that comes from joining a group and being there every week. Not to say if you can't make games every once in a while, you're not dedicated, that it builds trust. In the same vein, when someone decides to only show up every few games or not pay attention or anything else that shows boredom linked to the game, that erodes trust. If you're going to build a game, you would hope that there would be trust and respect in the group. I have no problems with the casual players. If you're just at a crack joke and hang out, that's awesome. But those same players can't use the fact that they don't, don't get the same engagement from the DM as the other players for the reason why they don't like the game. That's wisdom, I think, right there. I think the concept, we did not touch on trust, and I think Armstrong hits it dead on there. It's like, yeah, it totally does. It, either, it builds trust and erodes trust because if I'm like, well, if you think about that person who is, if you've ever gained with them, I've had a few of them. Is so-and-so coming? I don't know. No one believes them. No one trusts them. Well, they said they would, but well, you know what that's worth. I've heard those statements at games. Well, they said they're going to make it. Well, we'll see. As soon as it gets trying to be the epic game master, you're like, well, so-and-so said they're going to come. And when the group fires back, yeah, they say that all the time. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the crew, they just don't trust you, you know. And um, I think a good casual player, somebody's there to crack jokes and hang out and be with their friends, that is indeed awesome because they're there, they're having a good time. When it gets frustrating for me, and I think Armstrong's saying the same thing here, is when they then complain that I don't like the game because I don't have... You know, Sean seems to be engaging with Brett and Eileen a lot more than with, with me and, you know, Joseph. Or how come Harrigan doesn't get the attention, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, you person, <laughs> you're, you're not really engaging. You just kind of hang out. You forget your character half the time or whatever the case is. So that's some smart stuff. And thank you for saying something positive on YouTube. Holy no, cow. Right. That's, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. That. I read I mean, it. I, I was it. like, wait a minute. Was this a YouTube comment? Where did this like, come from? Yeah. YouTube? What? Wow, most YouTube comments are incredibly snarky. Not all. We've, nice. got, we've got some BSers that do watch some of the sh- episodes and comment. Oh, we Blake, Blake Ryan has in the past and some others. So No, we do, I, honestly. I just... Yeah. Um, but uh, somebody that we're unaware of or, or more random. Yes, than E. Armstrong some, is somebody who, yeah. first-time responder, yeah. nice that they listened, and uh, quite awesome. And it's kind of cool that they said something very nice. So yeah. thank you. Appreciate it. We good? Like we're moving yes, on. Yes. Thank you for everybody uh, having written in, commented, or, or you know, etc. Emailing, voicemailing. Thank you very much. Let's get to the main topic, Brett. Sounds good, man. What in the hell are we talking about this week, Brett? Well, I've often said like I don't prep. You know, I improv everything, blah, blah, blah. And I think it's a really common statement from me, I know, and other folks who like to improv a lot of stuff. But I think I'm lying to you. (gasps) And 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 here's why. (gasps) 
because I caught myself over my last my last Greyhawk game. I'm running. I'm mixing in. Look at looks around. No, okay, okay. No, no, nobody from my gaming group is here. The Return to the Two Horrors. Right, I'm pulling that in. So it's a published adventure. I'm reading and I'm architecting into the event. So, okay, See, that's true. So <clears throat> Brett has and does run published adventures. So, yeah. So this is one of the first times in a very long time I have. And apart from reading it, rereading it, and it's like a casual thing for me. And this is what got me thinking about it, Sean, was that I was sitting around thinking, man, the guys are going into the forest again with this undead, the dark, inc- their dark intrusion is occurring, this, that, and the other thing. Hmm. What is something challenging? What haven't I thrown at them for a while? One of my favorite weird-ass monsters is the yellow musk creeper. It's this weird flower that creates yellow musk creeper zombies. It's right out of the old fiend folio. I've run it before. It's a son of a bitch, right? I think it's in – is it in the Sunless Citadel? It's in one of the mo- more it popular could be. ones. Could yeah. Be. yeah. And then I decided, huh, but it's a plant. It's kind of sedentary. I did a weird twist on it last time I ran Avalon game with it. I'm like, I got it. I'm going to take a giant troll out of fiend folio. It's a hill giant-sized troll. Regenerates – it's a son of a bitch to kill, and that thing's infected. It can't die because it regenerates. So it's just roaming around with this living, writhing, yellow musk creeper thing on it. So I'm like, okay, this will be great. I sort it out in my head, like some options, how that'll play. There'll be this troll that basically walks in the group and like causes havoc because it's doing its troll damage. Hard to fucking stop the thing. And I'm draining intelligence points off of players as they're getting beaten to shit by this yellow musk creeper uh, vines and stuff too. I prepped that. It was a 10 minute thought. Like, huh. Ooh, this will be interesting. And I, the reason I prepped that is because I was like, huh, what could I do? I sat down, grabbed the fiend folio and I just flipped through the pages. I was, I was on a lunch break for work. I'm like, you know what? I got a half hour. I'm going to get some lunch. Sit on the couch right here beside, behind me. Flip through a monster manual. Oh, this, oh yeah, right here. Boom little mashup got it that's prep you know I, I just i don't often think of it as that i think i am i and perhaps some other people misrepresent or misthink about in our own heads and how i say it to other people what game preparation is sean and i think sometimes when i'm reading the module right when i've read and have figured out how i want to do return to the tomb horrors i think of that as real prep because i'm reading an actual module right where I have to look at real wor- real words, or if I write something down, then it's prep. But if it's just in my head, I don't think of it as such. When in fact, I'm always prepping. Oh, stop. When I'm getting ready for my kids, when I was when uh, they they finished up their um, first edition Forgotten Realms game. Tell me more. I'm thinking when they're okay, huh? I want to use. The concept of the Delian Order from Matt Colbill, because I just like the little piece he threw out there. So I grabbed his, like, I need a map. Got a map. Use the oath from the Delian Order. We'll see where this goes. Like, you know, I have to use a Calrol the Vile. I'm going to steal that from Matt, too, because what the hell? My kids don't know anything about it. I'll try this. And every time we get together, I'm like, oh, yeah, game night tonight, or it's in two days I'm playing for the kids. What am I going to do? Where are they at? Huh, what's going to go on? And I would think about that off and on throughout the day as I'm working in between meetings going for a walk, hanging out. And quite frankly, every time I bring it up on the show, I say, yeah, I played D&D with my kids last week. I'm immediately thinking about what's going to come in the next session. It's in my head. I'm wor- I'm noodling through what am I going to do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it, feel- and it feels like no preparation simply because I like reading 
monster manuals, rule books, paging through adventures, looking at art, as we talked about last episode, and all these other things that we talk about. I do that shit for fun because it's just enjoyment for me. Mm-hmm. And when I'm and doing how does that, that I, and how does that make you feel, Brad? <laughs> it makes me feel like a liar, Sean. I tell these people I don't <laughs> oh, prep, hey. but I fucking prep all the time. <laughs> I am, man. I'm like, I, I thought about, I'm like, I don't stop prepping. And I mentioned it to my buddy Lenny. We we're out for a, a hike the other day on Sunday. I said, yeah. He goes, well, that makes sense. He said, it's not like you're writing all the notes down. Like our buddy Nick, when he runs the Star Wars game, he tends to take more notes. And Lenny's like, I take a lot more notes, like write a lot of shit down. He said, I have to do that. He said, you do the same thing. It's just in your head. So it feels like you didn't do any work, quote unquote, because I'm Brett is seeing prep is work. And work is writing it down. Work is typing up a bullet list. Work is doing X, Y, or Z physical thing, you know, instead of just thinking. I honestly think it's kind of fun. It reminds me of uh, the first Avengers movie when the Hulk is rolling out there and Banner looks back at him and he goes, hey, we need the Hulk. We need the Hulk. And he goes, that's the, that's my secret. I'm always angry. <laughs> he just rolls out there. He just turns into the Hulk like, wait, well, look at me go. I think I thought you were totally going to say like the Avengers movie. I'm an Avenger and I (laughs) prep like this and I whip out my superpowers. No, No, I think it's that because you're always doing it, it be it makes my improv nature and how I run things easier. So Friday's game, Streets of Avalon. Like, what the fuck am I going to run? Oh, dude, you're not going to pull back the the curtain, are you? Little bit, little bit. So a little bit, little bit. Not too much. So the week, two weeks before, I'm thinking, okay, game's coming. I have four stories in my head. I'm like, I could do this one, this one, this one, or this one. And I wrote, go run them over, run them over, run them over, run them over. I'm like, well, I chose these, these pre-gens. I like them. They work well in the city. It'll be a great experience for the players. And finally, for whatever reason, I'm like, oh, my God, I know what the monster is, like the big thing. I know what the, I know what the end result is. I throw out all four of those ideas and I go, Butcher Baker, Candlestick Maker. I've run that adventure before. That's what it is. It wasn't even my view at first. I'm like, bam, that's the adventure. I got it. I ran that at Game Ocon a couple of Game Ocons ago. I'm pulling that fucker back out. That's the one. That's it right there. And I did that over a period of two weeks. Sort, 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 sort. In my head, in my free time, in my downtime, looking at stuff, thinking about things, just r- mulling it over. And I think the reason... That's Brett's preferred method of prep is because it allows me to balance all the other shit I like to do. So, for example, um, this weekend I'm going up to uh, the cabin to do some deer hunting stuff with my son, getting prepped because the following weekend is a, is a youth hunt that he can go out and shoot a, shoot a deer, hopefully. So every time we go out there, I'm out there with AJ, I'm hiking with Lenny, I'm doing whatever it is I'm doing, I'm in the woods somewhere. I think about, man... I look at the scree slope. I'm walking up on Rib Mountain here in Wausau. Or I'm like, holy fuck. We get, Lenny and I are walking up there last time. And I looked down and said, you know, how many times did your fighter just like jump off this cliff because he's being chased by orcs? He's like, well, I just jump. How far is it? 20 feet. That's ah, 2d6. I can take it. And we looked down and they're like, holy crap, you break your legs. You know, that's prep for me. I'm looking at the, the distance, the hillsides, everything I'm in. And I'm thinking about what would it be like? How would I describe how horrible the swamp is. I have walked through a cedar swamp in upper Michigan and where I'm, I'm sinking down practically to my knees or deeper in 
alder bushes and just nasty shit. And I'm like, wow, man, I'm glad. And the first thing that hits me, believe it or not, is I'm glad I don't have a fucking plate mail on. This would blow. Because I'm a fucking nerd. That's why this shit hits my head, right? You know, and I, I think by doing, by kind of always having that thought process going on, I probably do a couple of things. One, I probably miss animals I could be hunting because I'm thinking about something else <laughs> instead of doing what I should be doing. But it's fun. I like doing it. I read a book. You know, if I read the Thomas Covenant series or I read this series or that series or anything I'm reading, it comes to mind. Gaming shit always comes to my head. Always. <laughs> and I think that that feeds my my prep because I, I lock this. I've for I don't I do not know how I've done it. If I did, I would tell people. But I have a, a method in my head where I go, oh, that's a neat idea, and it's stuck in there. And then when the opportunity arises, I'm like, there we go. This is perfect. I got it. And something happens, and I, th- I think about what it was. You know, for the Friday game, you guys are like, oh, hey, it must be Ronaldo. I came up with that name on the spot, what he was, his personality. It's based on all this other fucking prep work I did, This all this other pre- thinking about it, noodling over ideas. Didn't you ask and us? Ronaldo? No, I came up with Ronaldo. Oh, you guys okay. came up, you guys had other names I needed. Okay. But anyway, um does that make any sense, Sean? Kind of the always prepping where you're always kind of thinking about stuff, reading, looking. And I know some folks don't like doing that. Some people don't enjoy sitting down pouring over a DD monster manual looking for ideas or stuff, but I'm just using it as a as a specific example, but does that make sense to you, or what are your thoughts when you hear me babble about that? I um, I, I would say that that is something that comes to my mind quite a bit as well, but I don't know if I retain it as well as you do. And I'll just, I'm going to say this right now, that is not, in case anybody thinks this, that doesn't mean, I do not see myself as having some ability or intelligence greater than yours in this case, Sean. It's just the way I do it, the way I'm retaining it, I'm retaining it differently than somebody who said, ooh, they keep a notebook with them and every time they've got a good idea, they write it down. Yeah. Because that's how they retain information. It's just a different method to get to the same thing. So anyway, I I just wanted to say that very clearly. I'm not saying I'm better, smarter, stronger, faster, more ninja than anybody else. It's just what I'm doing and it just made me realize and when I say out loud, I'm not prepping, it's kind of bullshit. I really am. So anyway, back to you. What? So you do it different, retain it different. It, it, it is, it rolls through my brain. And I think with the Forbidden Lands game itself is more up that approach as it's, it's always lingering in the back of my brain because the, the game is approaching. Like I got to get ready for the game to have something to put in front of those guys and f- see what they're going to do. And it has to have, I don't, I don't know if, I mean, it's got to make somewhat sense. Like I don't want to pull something c- completely crazy out of my butt where it doesn't, it breaks cohesion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was looking, I s- sat down this past Sunday and right behind me, I've got a table and I'm like, okay, I'm not even going to sit at the computer. I'll sit at this table. It's my new table. And just start looking at Forbidden Lands and see if something jogs my memory. Now, that's a little different than you going through the woods and just kind of walking down the street and things of that nature. But still, even though 
you're but you doing took that. time to you took time to think of something. Yes. Well, not really, because I was focused. I got distracted. I was still in Forbidden Lands world, but I was looking at the timeline and some of the some of the other things that comes with Forbidden Lands because there's some things I want to leverage within the setting to put mm -hmm. in front of the characters. Blah 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 blah. So there's some things that I didn't when I first got Forbidden Lands. I didn't go through and read all the lore. You know, I did to some degree, but it it I didn't put it to memory and go oh. There's a lot of moving parts, you know, so it's like rereading maybe a first part of a novel. Regardless, I do get into moments what you're talking about, like it's like running down or driving on the street or listening to a show or, you know, finding something that spurs a thought, an idea, something you want to in put into the game. Sometimes I'll remember it. Sometimes I won't. I mean, that's just in general, like ideas, you know, I'll, oh, this is a great idea. I, you know, get it home. Nothing's going on. Oh, I should do something. What was that idea I had? Shit. I don't know. Foo. Fuck. Or I just won't recall it anyway. Period. Mm -hmm. Like it's not even, yeah, I had an idea eight hours ago and it's like out of, out of sight, out of mind and it's gone, gone. Have you ever had it where you read? So one of the reasons I, I, I want to draw attention to this is that when I was I'm running Greyhawk, as I've said repeatedly, I will go through and grab my box set books and just flip through them. Again, just weird ass shit that's fun for me, or maybe not weird, maybe other people like this too. But I'll go, huh. I didn't know that about this god. I go through the box set, first edition box set, read in the back and go, Oh my god, these guys were giving out specialty pre-shit back at first edition. I just don't remember this. Oh my god, there's this there's this god. Who's basically the guy? He's the he's the gunslinger. He's got he's got two six shooters. Play, time for wow! This is weird. This is some funky shit that Gary did. And the other thing I do though is apart from finding out stuff I've long forgotten or whatever, but I'm like, wow, this is what. There's a cool thing about these clerics. I wonder what Cuthbert has because I've got two guys who just got into worshiping Cuthbert. Oh, neat, cool, cool, cool. And by rereading the timeline or whatever is your when you're talking about the timeline and the lore around Forbidden Lands, I th do you do you find that when you do brush up on some of that, that you even if you don't find immediate use for it, do you feel it coming back to you at some point? Like you planted a seed in your creative brain and it shows up later on in play? Oh, it will, because I will by doing that it solidifies it better in, into my memory. So settings and rules and stuff like that. Uh, isn't uh sean reads it absorbs it you know absorbs it implements it adheres to it it's there isn't that flow it's sean does it two or three times okay now i got it and now it's i can reference that i understand it and then the, the dynamics forbidden lands is a little unique because it's it's hex crawl and you can use all the default stuff but there isn't anything saying that you can't turn left or right the only mm -hmm. And that's fine, but I think that there's enough there that I, I think some of the players would want some of that, right? If they've read some of the details of the Raven's Land, Raven's Lands, and um, Raven Lands, and wanted to see some of those dynamics come out and play, and the the game master doesn't do that, then it's like they could be letting down a player a little bit. Fair. Right. I get that. Yeah, yeah. It'd be like, no, hey, I'm going to run Curse Strahd, but you're never going to run into Strahd, and you're never, there's no Ravenloft. It's like, oh. Yeah. Right? So I think it's it, it, prep. You know, I was, for Curse of Strahd prep 
and and even Tomb of Annihilation, I was handling those things completely different. Same with Forbidden Lands. It's like, are you all, having more fun with one approach to prep than another? Uh, well, that's uh, kind of a trick question because curses. Who it is, cur- and I've got a good reason why I'm asking you. So I'm open. I see. <laughs> Keep oh, going. You're setting Keep going. it up. Uh, I'm setting with you up. Curses, Strahd, and some of the published adventures. You have a cast of characters, and you have. You know, certain destinations, they're going to come. I mean, literally, it's like the adventurers come in on this side of the map, and eventually they're going to make their way across the map. To the other side of the map, yes. yes. Like, it's just inevitable that they're that's mm-hmm. the way it's going to happen. So while it's not a railroad, it's mm-hmm. a linear, it can be linear, even if it's a sandbox. Like Tomb of Annihilation, I think is even more interesting because it's you know an island. Well, think of it as that there's a destination, right? You're there here. is a destination. All, all all clues point to this thing, right? At the end goal is to get to the tomb. The end goal is to yes. get the Ravenloft and kill Strad. Whatever, even though mm-hmm. Strad's kind of unique because you can go right there. It's very unique, yeah. Right no, away, there's yeah, it's crazy stuff. But um, so with that approach to prepping Curse of Strad specifically, I used Sly Flourishes method because it's easy to i think i find it easy to take the approach of his he's got like seven or eight steps and you if you're doing published you don't need two or three of them because they're already in the adventure like certain items that they might come across or certain npcs but i still documented them in notion by just making kind of a database of going okay here's where what this person is so if they do run into him i could just Instead of flipping through, you know, stuff and trying to find my notes, I can just go to this entry, right? And go. So, got it. I like what you're saying because what I've what I have found is that the reason the type of prep that I'm doing for me works is twofold. It's utilitarian for how my brain functions. It just is a good way for how I learn stuff, how I retain data, how I can recall data. I've just figured out by trial and error essentially what helps me. The other thing is that it has utilitarian purposes for me in game, right? So if your method is writing down on a notion um, uh, board, moving cards, doing whatever, the utility of that is great. I think it's, it, I, I think it's just, it's kind of interesting because the more I've thought about prep and we've had some BSers ask about this in the forums, the other thing is like a topic. And I keep thinking about it. I'm like, we've talked about it, man. We've talked about it. What else could I say? What else could I say? And every time we get into a detail about what it is that Sean is really doing, how did you prepare for this particular adventure? I mean, I can tell you right now, as we go along, Sean, we look at the um, the, the Delta Green game we want to run home. Um, we want to run uh, Hourglass. Right? Project BS, Brett. Project the Delta BS, Green sorry. experiment. Sorry, can, the Delta Green. Okay. Yes, yes, sorry, sorry. So when we run Hourglass, I will prep it different than you. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that's definitely worth us talking about because what's going to happen is I'm going to get the adventure. Actually, I bought it. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. <laughs> He's going to throw it out the window. No, I'm going to read it. <laughs> I'm going to read it multiple times. And I have a think process of how I digest it and what I do and how I go about it. And I think there's um, – under because like I said, if I laid down to me the other day, I'm like, I don't ever stop prepping. There's always something right. in my head thinking, boy, that would be neat to use the game. And I know some folks, when I've said that to some of the people who came with me, other people I've, I've talked to, they'll say, I can't do that because I have to write it down. I'm like, huh. 
I think nothing less of that person. And I 100% don't want that person to think, oh, my God, you've got some crazy power that you can recall shit. No, it's just, it's just how my brain functions versus how somebody else does. I know for a fact that if I don't have certain things written down for my day job, I don't remember shit. Right? Because you're using all yeah. of that capacity. For, for the stuff that really matters. RPG prep. <laughs> the stuff that matters. Right. For yes. RPG prep, hunting, hanging out with my kids, that stuff. Right. This is right. just a day job. I have calendars. I got shit that I can, I can just, I can look at it and go, what do I have to do this week? It's on my calendar. You have staff. That's, not that I actually organize my calendar. I'm not that, <laughs> I'm not that that's, wealthy. That's I just, but I just, you know, I'm like, look at my calendar. Oh, where do I have to be today? Here, 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 here. I'll get this done, this done. I got audit shit to do. Ding, ding, ding. So it's a different level of organization. My free time is my time. And I like to do things that are fun. And um, I, I think at the end of it for me is that if I could do a little bit of prep every day, flip through a monster manual over lunch, I watch a fun movie. I watch, um, I got a hold of HBO Max finally, and I rewatched all of the Samurai Jack cartoon. I love Samurai Jack. It's one of my favorite cartoons ever. I went, oh my God. That's an adventure right there. So again, I don't stop thinking that way. Because that it's fun for me, I've grown that muscle where I'm like, oh, I love doing this. I love looking at stuff and thinking about how I could use it again. And other folks I know don't like doing that at all because I've talked to some gamers who told me that when they do that, they feel they don't enjoy the other form of art. They're watching a movie and they're missing parts of the movie or they're dissecting the movie or they're not in the moment of what's happening because their brain is doing something else. They do not like that feeling. I'm like, huh, I don't have that problem, but I would totally understand it if that was where you would say, I want to watch the movie, enjoy it. And then after the movie, think now I'll rewatch it with the idea of mining it for D&D ideas or or whatever ideas or cipher system, whatever it is you're watching. Um, but anyway, I just, I don't, don't need to belabor it too much, Sean, but I just, just thinking about it. Cause I often will say things that like, I don't prep, I just improv everything. And the reason I can improv anything is because I don't stop prepping for me. This is what works for Brett is that I'm constantly running through shit. And so when you guys do something in streets of Avalon, I've run enough streets of Avalon stuff with my group and other people wrote the setting, did all this stuff. I have all this shit in my head. It is very natural for me to improv a Streets of Avalon game because I have all this crap built up in my head, right? If you were to say, let's play D&D right now, I'm like, okay, go make some characters. What setting? Avalon, great, got it. And we'll just we'll do, do stuff because I, I know all this shit. I know all this stuff that can happen. Right. If you were to say, hey, let's play Star Trek, Modifius, I'd be like, ah, uh, I can't do that right now. I need to read rules. I don't understand it enough. There's, you know, I've got pieces I can't do that to. But I think it's it's interesting when I, to think about how you prep. And like I said, when I got to it, I'm like, this is actually fun for me. I like doing this. You know, it, I don't see it as a burden or some, oh, I always have to be thinking about this stuff or I'm never ready. It's just fun for me. And I think that is maybe the prepping key at the end of all this, Sean, is if you find a way that you can prep that's fun for you, whether it's like every Tuesday at three o'clock per my calendar, I sit down for an hour and I do game prep. If that's the funnest way for you to do it, I think you're going to get a hell of a lot more out of it. 
you know, whatever that, whatever that method is. And you may need to try five, six, 10, God knows how many different ways, means, policies, and devices to sort out what's the most fun way for you to prep. But I think that's, I think there's some power in that. If it's fun and and fun for you to do, you're going to want to do it more often, right? And you're, you're not going to see this work because work sucks. <laughs> does that make sense, Son? Work does suck. It does make sense. Work it sucks. Sense. It does make sense. Does any of this, um, I'm not asking you to say, hey, you're going to try to prep the way Brett does because that's not, I mean, you're not me and I'm not you. I can't, I, I, not that I can't. I don't want to, quite frankly, see if I can prep the same way you do because I found a method that works for me. Well, I think part of this experiment with Delta Green, people are wanting to see what's under the hood and how things are presented. And I think prep is going to be a component of that. And with mm -hmm, me running published and, and the first time of this scenario, I'll probably document. So there's, there's to me, published adventure can be dense and it could be the smallest scenario. Lost mine, Fandolin, whatever, dense, background, this, that. Characters go to question the police, the witness, whatever, in, in Delta Green. You know, when I did, uh, kind of skipping that, but when I did music from a uh, darkened room, there's a few moving parts in that mm -hmm. freaking scenario. Like, there's a few people that they can talk to, and there's a lot of history about this house that they go and investigate. So in order to make sure that I'm not all over the place, it's almost like I take out everything Detwiller did and put it in my own format so that I can reference it easier, quicker, and understand who that person is and who that person is not. So when I think Detwiller would be like, well, you fucking right you do. <laughs> Why <right>. would you? <laughs> right, <laughs> of course right. you do. You know? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But there's others that'll just read it and then they will either do it like, maybe they'll read it like you and, and you'll just go, okay, I know that guy, that guy. Okay, got it. You put it in your brain, you file it away. Me, I'll probably have a list of the cast of characters, right? That the, you know, the co-stars in the show that are going to end up running into some of these people. As I do that, I don't... All, not only does it go, do I go, okay, I think I got this down, but it's also kind of solidifies it in my brain. And so I could start picturing how it'll flow as things start to take place in the game. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think, prep for some people and, you know, whether it's good or bad, different, whatever, how you want to frame it up is especially with RPGs, it's not a matter of, you know, like, you know, for Sly Flourish was like, hey, you know, don't plan too many combat encounters. I'm like, why are, why are you planning combat encounters anyway? Should just be an encounter. Let the yeah. players decide if it's combat or not, right? Yeah. You fight or not. I mean, they, they, yeah. You talk well, to the baker, see, you, you can have get some... the fuck out of it. You yeah, what if they the go in there and they say, parlay, yeah. parlay, we want to join your forces, screw this shit. Yeah. Like, we don't want to yeah. kill you, we just want to understand you better. Like, what? I don't know what the players are going to do. Yep. And I think by some of the prep, like even with the Forbidden Lands, you know, these guys are faced since, I mean, they're like sweating because they're really beat up from the last encounter. Like, the Harpies came down and they weren't going to negotiate with them. Yeah, so what are they going to do next? 
What are they, they going to do go, next? They could they fight something. They could they're fight. confronted with four humans. Like, what the hell are you doing here? So now it's like, yeah. what are these guys going to do? So as a game master, I have to, you know, there. that's what it is. Like, I can just show up to the next session and go, all right. Or do I plan something or give them options in the moment so that they can determine whether they want to fight, flee, negotiate, you know, I don't know. And I think whatever you do have to do to prepare for the fact that the next encounter rolls up and the author has no idea what condition my players' characters will be in when they get to that next encounter. Right. Are they full health? Are they half health? Are they on death's door? Are they dragging two dead companions? Who knows, right? And similar with um, with Delta Green, like, are you dead? Are you down two people? Are you shot up? Did you do something stupid? Did you do something wicked smart? And you're like, wow, I could totally jump past this thing. You know, all of those components. And that's why prepping can be so key and slash difficult for people is like, how do I prepare for all the stuff that's possible? And well, again, for me, for my ability to improv came from this again, this is not trying not to pat myself on the back because let's break my own arm. What I wanted, what I want to say is that by constantly doing stuff, looking through the adventure, parsing through this, picking it up in between sessions, go flip, flip, flip. Oh yeah, that's right. Flip, flip, flip. Oh yeah, that's right. Five minutes here, two minutes there. By doing that, I'm actually doing it over a protracted period of time where someone like Sean is like, well, I can do that in a half hour, one day a week. Why, 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 would I, why, why would I fuck around and spend six days doing 10 minutes? That's dumb, Brett. Why didn't you just do it all at once? I don't know. I just I don't like working like that. So I, I think I think you're right. There's there's so many pieces and parts to what you have to prepare for, right? It's not just the adventure or the session. It's like, what did what did last session do to this one, and what's this one going to do to the next one? There's a lot, a lot of stuff that goes into it. The, the, I think the Excuse the me. the end was it Zen, like the the the, the Zen of uh, the, the, no, zen the, of the final Nirvana mm-hmm. of prep is being able to improv anything, like literally just being the person that's going to be like, "All right, you guys ready to play? Cool." We're going to set you down here, and this is what's going to go on. Now, whether that is, you know, a routine, you know, I've given, I've done some public speaking, and if it's on the topic that I know, I just go in there and use the same thing that I used before, very natural, I don't have a script, I hit the bullet, I hit the high points, go into those, answer some questions, but that's something I feel very comfortable in doing because I've done it five, six, seven, ten times. I go to you know, when I used to talk at the local junior college here for IT students, I always had the same kind of thing. Same with role-playing games. Like if you're going to run, you know, candlestick, candle maker, baker stick, candlestick taker scenario. <laughs> oh, oh, God. But I have to know, I have to know my rules. Do I know my rules? Yes. yes. Do I know the setting? Yes. I have but an adventure can- I've run. Yes. Done. So I, you can, know, I can improv off that adventure 15 different ways. You least. have yeah. all the parts and all yep. the components. It's not the first time you've ever run it. And, the, and it's also not just that particular adventure. The way you guys are going about it, this is the original players who I ran this for at GameOlcon would recognize bits and pieces of what's going on right now, but the rest of it would be totally fucking new to them. Sure. Because they've tweaked it so much. Right. 
What have I tweaked it with? Shit that I've been doing over the last 20 years of Avalon's setting development with my group. But you it's could, just stuff that's but in my But you could head, tweak it knowing you've had that as a foundation. Yeah, it's yes. like, hey, I've baked yeah, this kind of bread for five years. I think I'm just going to add less sugar to see what happens. Like, you're not... Hey, yeah, I'm like I said, take this, this is somewhere like, else. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah, this isn't like, well, you know what we're going to do? Um, we're going to play Star Wars right now. Right. Uh, right. Fuck. So, yeah, uh, it's like Portal in the middle of town. Okay, we yeah, go I through just, it. <laughs> All right, you find yourself on the ship of a big starship and there's stars yeah. flying across. You know, you're not. Yeah, so, you're right. There, there's some improv. Is the, one of the keys about improv is is knowing what your bumpers are, right? And that's one of the reasons why an improv crew, this is just me talking here, but where they'll say, look, give me a name, a location, and an activity. They want to understand what their bumpers are, what they're playing within, how crazy, how whatever it is, and so on. Similar stuff. What setting, po- what rules. My point is that mm-hmm. as game masters and we get into certain routines, whether it's taking notes, not taking notes, found in the in the back of our brains, however we do it, eventually you know, if we if we can hone in on our craft and well enough so that you can it leads to I would say maybe leads to total improvisation, then then you have reached You've reached Brendan LaSalle versions of Dungeon Crawl Classics. <laughs> you know, I mean it yeah. could it could be that it doesn't necessarily uh have have to be, but I think that the first I mean the first time a game master comes to the table, they may not know where to start and they don't know where it's gonna go and they don't yep. know what's gonna what the players are up to. And with time and experience, you know, you and I both know how I feel about the RPG resume. Like I'm yes. starting with white box and therefore I'm, you know, blah, blah, whoopty, whoopty fucking do dude. Right. Yeah. Okay. I've been gaming since 1974 and uh, game mastering for that long and been running a 40-year campaign and, uh, you know, whatever, which is great. Some of it's fine, but it's like the position that somebody pitches it. Anyways, is that I think over over time we just understand that players are more apt to doing strange things that we don't prep for. And I think the reason, one of the reasons I, my always, my mantra of always prepping, the reason I'm doing that is because I'm thinking about, boy, huh, I could see that happening. What would happen if they do this? That's the thought in my head, right? So I'm sitting there thinking, boy, the guys are going to go, just kill the blue dragons. They killed the two Zagye. Huh. Negative planar things. They know there's these weird um, desert mountain giants in the mountains. What are they going to do? Huh. Well, if they go through... The hills, this, this, and this could happen. What if they fly over the top? What if they do this? So I think about that shit. And then uh, five minutes at some point this week or between the, here and the next game, I'll sit down and say, what happens if they fly over the top of the mountains? Because they have the power. I'll flip through something. I'll figure out. Or I'll think it over my head and go, oh, if that happens, this occurs. Cool. Neat. And I don't have to answer all the questions. I just think about some obvious options. Right. And then if they think of something wickedly fucking cunning that I've never thought of like oh my god okay it works totally fine I'm not afraid to let the players have that because I didn't think of it I had no clue nothing I have prepped for at all could even be twisted in the craziest way to account for that it would be so fiat 
It's just dumb. Let them have it. But it's not, nine times out of ten, though, I'm like, oh, well, I thought about the five most obvious things they could do. They chose an option seven. But you know what? That's actually close enough. So if I take options one and three, <laughs> I got option seven covered. Right? So, again, I'm just going to noodle my way through it piece at a time, thinking about what they could do, what I might have to do in response to that. And then I just log it away. So, anyway, I think that's enough out of us. At least out of me, for sure. You good? I'm good. All right. So, folks, I don't know if... I don't know how well this resonated, if at all. <laughs> so, let us know what you think about kind of always prepping and um, that that concept, if it makes sense to you. Or uh, questions, comments, other approaches that are helpful. Great. Because I think the... Um, one of the best things we can do is keep sharing ideas um, of what we do, how we do it, because somebody else is going to listen to Sean and I and go, huh, that doesn't make sense. Well, if you is going to write in a letter, we're going to read it. And that next person is going to listen to that and go, oh, my God, this is gorgeous. This is this is fucking gold right here. They're going to be they're going to love it. And that's going to work. So if you got something, send it in. We'll share your diamonds and we'll see who picks them up. Shall we? We shall. Let's get into die roll. Die roll two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to share with you. Got three this week. First one, Call of Cthulhu new free character sheets to mark the game's 40th anniversary. Oh, nice. Yeah. So go ahead and check that out. Some, I mean, I think they're okay. Pretty cool, I guess. Uh, and then let's see. Second one, 13th Age, Humble Bundle, 25 bucks will get you 37 items. And uh, proceeds will help the Oceana, Oceana uh, charity. Very so cool. check, check that out. It's, uh, if you're 13th Age, it's a good time to check it out. Get in or if you're just it. interested in 25 bucks for 37 items, which is uh, at least one of those books is a $50 book in print. I don't Gotta know be. if I have gotten in on it. I mean, sometimes these run rerun, and I don't know if I have this one or not. I don't know. I, I have be. a thirteen. I have thirteen change age PDFs. So I've got them from back when I supported it early in the day. But yeah, yeah. So there's a lot there. What else we got here? No, last one. Stingers and Spores Kickstarter. Thanks to Akadokan for bringing this one to our attention. Uh, it's got 23 days to go. It has hit its funding goal. It's a tabletop RPG of high fantasy and insects using the Savage World's rule system. High fantasy meets entomology in stingers and spores. A romp across mysterious and perilous lands of the insect kingdom. Experience this new and exciting world from the compound eyes of the bugs who live there. Ah, love it. Fun, fun. Fucking golden so age of gaming, go. man. I, I never thought such a game needed to be made, and I don't I know even needed, don't throw that word out. I didn't think that game would be made, but somebody out there said, Hey, I got an idea. That's fucking cool. <laughs> That's awesome. So if you were the bud guy in do high it. school. Or if it's just different, something you want to do that's just crazy you, weird. Yes, that's true. Or when your players get cursed or polymorph or suddenly they turn into a thing or reincarnated as, like, hey, guess what? Bug <gasps> Fucking gold, man. Look at awesome. Brad. He's, he's prepping. Always prepping, be prepping. Prep, always prepping. Always like be prepping. Like a set of steak knives. Coffee's for preppers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I 
was going through some of the Glengarry Glen Ross gifs. Put that coffee Put down, down. That coffee. Coffee is for closers. Second that's place, it. steak knives. Yeah, that's. I gotta watch that again. That's hilarious. All right. These leads are shit. You're shit. <laughs> you don't like it? Quit. <laughs> anyway. What are, we, what are we talking about next week, Brett? We, you've had this up there for a bit, and I want to grab onto it because I did it for the Athlon game. We're gonna start. We're gonna talk about starting in a tavern. So that'll be next week. Starting in a tavern, or or starting somewhere other than a tavern. No, starting in a tavern. Oh boy. Yeah. Why you would do it? What about it? How do you make it interesting? Everybody does it. I know. Not we everybody. Do it, but yesters do it better, so we're gonna talk about it. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, fantastic. Yeah, we'll we'll do that. So we'll do that one. Uh, Thanks for everybody. That concludes this show for this week. Thanks for everybody showing up and uh, for the live taping. We appreciate it. Uh, We tape here every Monday night at 8 p.m. Central Time at Gaming8BS.com. And you can't be crap for not using Venmo and you say tape. No one uses tape. Tape, man. Yeah, Yeah, tape. tape. Sure, ask my we kids. T- we we record here. Tape. Yeah, I record. That's better. Did I say tape? You said tape. I like tape. <laughs> I'm gonna find a real to real and gonna get a Betamax and I'll put it and put, I'll put it in my safe deposit box at my bank. I'm gonna put <laughs> so, it in my my <laughs> Faw Fawwood Entertainment Center. Nice. Anyways. Uh, Otherwise, if you see this on YouTube, give us a like or subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. Otherwise, you can tune into this uh, at our flagship show, uh, audio podcast. Just go to your podcatcher of choice, put in gamingabs.com and subscribe. We appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, uh, for Gaming ABS. I'm Sean. Then I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming ABS produced with help from the following BSers. Joe Swick, Old School DM, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Jarrett Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Chris Steele, Jason Hobbs, Mark Tasaka, Merkel Froelich, Pure Mongrel, Brett Pazinski, Brandon Barnes, Eileen Barnes, Dan LaValley, Craig Huber, Roger Braslett, Stefan Dragonspawn, Jared Rasher, Ray Otis, Jim Fitzpatrick, Old Scoozer Roleplaying, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Larry Hout, Ron Bishop, Mark Richmond, Chad Gleyman, Sky, Craig, Howard Bishop, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Angus, Eric Salzweedle, George Sedgwick, Robert Nemeth, Brian Kurtz, Laramie Wall, Perry Besor, Eric Avia, Jeff Seifert, John Keyword, Corey Gonzalez, Maurice, Niall Diamond, Aaron Ralea, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Brian Rubble, Rich Wishon, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Henry Newcomb, Colcago, Eric Tavola, Hus Carl, Ghost GM, Mike Hess Jr., Rory Weston, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Phil McClory, Adam Grotejohn, Ed Nyes, Jay Plata, The Duke in Purple, Isaiah Aries Christian, Larry Hollis, Quigley Malcolm, AWOL Trooper, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orcus Dorcas, Chris Shorb, Michael O'Holland, Wayne Peacock, Mike Coleman, Miniature Master, Kevin Keneally, Zagrave, Vornak, Farty McButterpants, Andrew Lear, Craig Chunglo, Eric Lundford, Lunsford, Ty Prunty, Feeling Good Lewis, and Ziga Paradzik. Paradzik. Ziga Paradzik. Did you know that we have a newsletter? Uh, I know, I know, I know. Another email, another newsletter. I get it, for sure. But it's really brief. We don't put in a lot of stuff. And sometimes we'll put an offer in there like a discount code to merchandise that we have. 
We'll give you an update on some things that Brett and I are discussing. So if you want to be in the know a little bit more on Gaming and BS, head over to gamingandbs.com forward slash newsletter, put in your email address, and we promise we won't overwhelm you. That's gamingandbs.com forward slash newsletter. Thanks, BSers. This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.